Hello and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast, where we take a look at the UK's ice hockey leagues. We're sponsored by Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs. Check them out. Hello and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast, where tonight Danny, Ross, Scott and myself are joined by an American forward who took the NCAA route before a couple of solid seasons in the American East Coast Leagues, an adventure into Europe which started in Italy before ending his playing career in the UK with Fife and Commentary. We welcome American forward Ryan Dingle. Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. So I'm going to get the the question we always ask, and I think you've probably been asked it a million one times, being a hockey player from over that side of the pond. What's your first memory of ice hockey? Holy cow. That uh, We're talking memory lane now. Um, honestly, I, I don't... I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't have hockey. Um, so I think that it was, it was just from an early age. I, I took to it. My, my father tells a story where I was, you know, one day old and I sat there and watched an NHL game on his lap. Clearly I don't remember that. Um, but I heard, I've, I've heard that story be told several times. Um, you know, I, I, I love everything about the sport and it's kind of, uh, just ingrained in my nature and, and what I do and, live and breathe hockey in that matter. So I'm going to jump forward a few years because obviously at one day old, you're not going to be on the ice. But uh, <laughs> going to your first season in the USHL with the Daymana Buccaneers, what was that setup like and how was that for yourself? Was that a good start to go the professional way? Yeah, um, I don't know it, how familiar you guys are with uh, the North American route, um, but junior hockey uh, is what I like to describe is two separate uh, avenues. One is kind of the fast track to the NHL. And then the other one is typically the, uh, the university route in, in, you know, guys getting an education. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I'm not that huge. I'm not, my size and stature isn't that big. So, uh, you know, for me, it was always, you know, I wanted to get an education. I remember uh, Denver is three hours or so from my hometown in Steamboat. So I, I, I love DU. That was kind of a, a direction that I wanted to go. So that kind of, that was basically the path that unfolded in front of me and, uh, and going to the USHL, that's the top, uh, that would be the top, um, junior program if you want to maintain your college eligibility. And it is, it is a top notch league. Um, guys are getting drafted to the NHL out of that league. Um, so it's not, it's not second fiddle to say the OHL, uh, or the WHL, but it's, it's absolutely, um, it's maintaining your college eligibility, but at a high level of hockey. Um, it, my first year it was, I was, uh, I was a, I was blown away with, with the talent level, the skill level. And it, it was, it was a huge, huge surprise for me. Um, I was playing fourth line that year and not really getting much, uh, much ice time. And, uh, but it was, it was good for me. It was a, it was a learning experience for me. Um, and I ended up playing three years in that league for two different organizations. And, uh, and it was, it was a huge, huge, uh, growing experience, learning experience for me and, uh, learning to be, uh, who I am off of the ice and who I am on the ice. Uh, really started that track right then and there in the USHL. You mentioned you played for two organisations in that league. Um, what made the move to Tri-City Storm happen? 
fun. Basically, because I sucked the first couple of years. Uh, no, no, just just kidding. Um, I did get traded. I got traded a year and a half into uh, into my pro uh, my time in Des Moines, and it was it was a shock to me. Um, but honestly, it was it was the best thing for me. I I don't want to say I took things for granted, but it was it was a, a rejuvenation for my career and my love of the game at that current point, uh, that current junction in my life. And I went to it was funny. I think that we were Des Moines. My my team Des Moines was second to last place in the league that year. I remember I walk in. I won't get into the nitty gritty of that whole uh, the trade. But I remember going home, I, I walked into the rink, got told I was traded. I walked back, I went back to, to my Billet family's house, looked up on the internet, like dial up internet those days. And, uh, and it was, and I was like, there is no way that I could be going to a worse team. Uh, and sure enough, the, the Tri-City Storm was dead last that year. And I was like, holy cow. Um, ended up, like I said, going to that, that new team, uh, Tri-City Storm, and just had an absolute ball. I felt, I felt rejuvenated. Uh, my on-ice play reflected my happiness. I went, uh, I lived with a billet family there that I still stay in contact uh, with today. They came to my, my wedding and, you know, really just an overall great experience. And I have, I have very fond memories of my time in Kearney, Nebraska. I mean, looking at your stats in that last season in Tri-City Storm, I mean, that you had a great playoff run yourself. Your plus-minus was up there. So I know you went to dead last, but it might have been a good move for yourself in, in the long run. Definitely. And we, we, we did go, and I actually should probably say this, we went from dead last to a huge playoff contender, and we made playoffs that year um, just that, in that change. And ironically enough, Des Moines did too. And so the move was great for the both of us as organizations, the Tri-City Storm and the Des Moines Buccaneers. Uh, we ended up making playoffs. And I think that if I recall correctly, we played Des Moines in playoffs that year and we came on top. So I just want to throw that. That felt good. <laughs> uh, that's job done, isn't it? So you yeah. mentioned about uh, Denver University earlier. So was that always the plan that the NCAA route is what you wanted to do? Absolutely. Uh, both my parents are teachers. I thought that that was a, that was a hugely important thing for, uh, for me to go that direction. Um, education was an important part of my uh, upbringing and, you know, my home life and <laughs> making sure my parents were making sure that I was doing my homework. So that was ingrained at me, in me uh, at an early age as well. Before we go on to the hockey at the NCAA, what, what are you studying while, whilst you're there and how much of your time does it take up? So are, are you talking in, uh, in university yeah, or beforehand? Uh, the NCAA, what, what, what okay. are you, what are you studying? Yeah. So I studied business management when I was there. Um, it was, you know, it's funny because the typically, uh, at the university of Denver players were either majoring, uh, in some sort of, uh, business in the business school or, they were doing communications. Obviously they, there were uh, some exceptions, but overall that was kind of what it was that that was the format. And that's where the, the, the direction that the guys usually took. Uh, I was very happy with uh, the business side of things. I've, I've had my, I've run my own hockey camps for the past 11 years coming up on 11 years now. So I think that I took what I learned there and have it apl applied into uh, my own everyday world. Yeah. But going on to the, the hockey, the, f the first year, 
you you win a championship uh, and you're also playing along some players that we know very well. Uh, Luke Fulgham, who was a, a, a Blaze stalwart for a few years, he won a championship with us and uh, current NHR Paul Statsny. So what was your first year like to obviously win it all? And did you think, well, this is going to go well? Well, funny you say, funny you mentioned both of those players because that was my line actually. So Paul Stasny was uh, Paul Stasny was the center. Luke Fulgham was my right winger, and I was playing left wing that year. So ironically enough, that was my freshman year line. Uh, Fulgham was the uh, the senior, and Stasny and I were the same grade. So Stas and I were freshmen coming in. Um, so he and Fulgham is a couple of years older than us, and so he was kind of the wily vet at that time. And, um, you know, obviously a, a very prolific scorer in, in Luke and Stasny has some of the best vision out of any hockey player I've ever seen or, or, or witnessed even, even on the NHL rankings right now. Um, really, really fun crew to be on. Uh, they actually won the championship the year before I came in. So it was, uh, you know, I, I was a little jealous until we actually won it ourselves. And so it was the, a year buildup, but we, that year, I think that we lost five games the entire season and um, just had a, had an unbelievable experience being a part of uh, the university of Denver program. How deep does that run go? So obviously I know you're doing your, your education as well, but how many games have you got to play to, to win all that? And is it oh, staying geez. on later into the year? You're really putting me on the spot here. Uh, I, I want to say it's like a, a, I'm guessing now. I want to say, if I remember correctly, it's something like a 30-game schedule on or a 35-game schedule on a regular year, uh, plus a couple of mid-season tournaments. Um, and then you play uh, league playoffs, and then you also play the uh, NCAA playoffs. So that's kind of uh, – that's a – brief summary of what's going on there i'd have to look at uh i'd have to look at the schedule um to be 100 percent on that one it's a long time to do there <laughs> wow we we like to we like to test everyone's memory and then obviously uh you go on to the next couple of years in denver university and then you, you light up the lamp putting up some big numbers will you give it more of a prominent role yeah you know i would say my my freshman year um it, it took me a little bit halloween was the first time that i was put on that line with stasny and fulgham um and before that it was kind of a fourth line role and you know just trying to f- get my feet wet and figure out what my responsibilities were uh after that though it was kind of uh no turning back i was all always on either first or second line with uh, the university of denver but my freshman year, I never played any power play. Uh, PK was my, my number one responsibility. So it was with during five on five, basically I was making sure we weren't getting scored on when Fulgham and Stasny would go down and do their stuff. Um, and then after that, it was kind of more, I took a, uh, a more offensive role on the team, my sophomore and junior seasons. And towards the, the, the end of your NCAA career, you get a, a few games in the AHL. How does that come about and were you expecting it? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> so not to continue to go back to Paul Stasny, but, I, you know, truly uh, he was he was a really good friend of mine. My line mate the entire time he was there, he, he played two seasons 
at the University of Denver, and then he signed with the Colorado Avalanche. And um, I never even thought about playing pro hockey, to be completely honest. I, I didn't. I didn't think about it once. I didn't think about it as a possibility as an undersized forward. And as soon as I saw my my line mate and and good friend sign and have success in the NHL right away, I was like, whoa, maybe I could do this. Um, so that was the first time that I actually thought about it. Um, and then Anaheim, the Anaheim Ducks started coming to watch my games pretty regularly my junior season. And I signed with Anaheim um, after shortly after we lost out my junior year, uh, signed with them and had several conversations about what the remainder of the season was going to look like. And, uh, I told them that I wanted to come back and finish my junior year. If I was going to leave school a year early, then I wanted to finish out my junior year. Um, this is where, this is one of those situations that I'm like, ah, insert foot and mouth. But, uh, they ended up, the Ducks ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. And so I was like, oh, I could have been there if I just went with them. Not that I would have contributed, but I could have been there and witnessed it with my own eyes. So uh, so I signed with Anaheim, uh, two-year deal, two-year contract, and uh, was in their farm systems for, for those first two years pro. What a fantastic story there, Ryan. Thank you for reminding <laughs> Ashley, uh, which Ashley's NHL team is the Ducks. So thank you for reminding him how long it's been that, since they left <laughs> So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> putting a put banter aside for a minute. So obviously Scott's mentioned you had the four games in 07-08 with the uh, off Portland Pirates. Next year, uh, 08-09, you're with them again. Also mixing it up in the East Coast with uh, Augusta Lynx or Line, is it? I can't, I can't say it properly. <laughs> yeah. um, the Augusta Lynx, yeah. So... Most players we speak to, when they say they mix it up with the East Coast and the AHL, they say obviously how it's very much, there can be two or three games in the AHL set up, then they drop back down for maybe a few months, then they come back up when there's maybe an injury or two or or something that needs to change in the lineups. Was it like that for yourself? Because you seem to have played 19 games in the AHL that year. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a tough year for me. Um it was a it was a tough year to kind of digest what was going on in the hockey world. Clearly, you I mean you can see with my offensive output, uh, my my second and third seasons in at the University of Denver, and you know then I sign a pro contract, and I'm thinking you know one thing is going to be an option to go back to Paul Stasny. He was right inserted right into the NHL, and I had you know the up and down between the AHL and ECHL. Funny. Funny story is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Ashley might, um, when, so this, my first year, my first full year uh, professionally was the year that Timu Solani was retired and then he came out of retirement. So I actually, that affected me because I was in the American League and when Timu Solani came out of retirement, it bumped guys down from the NHL to the AHL. And then that is actually the trickle effect that sent me down to the ECHL. And so, damn you, Timo Solani. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in very quickly, Danny. Timo is my all-time favourite duck. So when he did resign, I was buzzing. But I do understand you're, uh, you're annoying. So I'll apologise yeah. on his behalf for you. Totally. No, I, I'm just kidding, man. Every Everybody has their sob story that's not in the NHL, right? And, you know, it's just one path or the other. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I'm sure you guys have a couple more questions uh, before we get into the UK. But I didn't even, you know, I, I'm so grateful for my experience overseas 
um, being able to play in Italy and in the UK. And I wouldn't be able to have that experience. I wouldn't be able to say that if, if my path in the hockey world wasn't uh, the way it was. No. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit of an unusual one. Cause then you move over to 0809. I'm going to throw this out there because we were talking about this when we were putting the pointers together and we found this team quite funny, but quite ironic. The Iowa chops in the AHL. Um, what a jersey. <laughs> I mean, who's <laughs> a pig head on a jersey is brilliant. Um, but we're bringing them up for one reason. Well, for two reasons, really. First of all, you played against or alongside, sorry, uh, Matt Bolesky during your time there. Yep. Um, could you see the talent that Matt had at the time? Obviously, Ash has turned his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I sat, I sat, uh, I was stallmates with Matt Bolesky. So I sat in the locker room right next to him uh yeah phenomenal player uh i i always loved to play and admired the way he played uh played hard-nosed hockey and man what a shot and that guy you know i'm i'm a little bit older than he is um but still uh blown away on a daily basis and that guy you know was given every opportunity to succeed uh in the anaheim organization so you know hats off to him what a great individual as a person on and off the ice and so uh, haven't spoken to him in a long time, but definitely uh, knew that we we had uh, cross paths in the uh, the Blaze jersey as well. Yeah, we always say because when he went back after that short lockout they had that one year, um, he actually made it back into the Duck setup. So uh, we say that's because he was at the Blaze for those few months. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good, good season for you that year. You know, full season in the AHL, uh, fifty games played, a uh, couple of points, um, but. The standout story from that year is 2009, June 26, Chris Pronger goes to the Philadelphia Fires for Geoffrey Lupel, uh, Lucas Sibas, am I saying that right? Uh, an 09 and a, a 2010 first round pick, as well as a third round pick. And you're part of the deal. Do you know anything about the deal before it's made or is it just... Hey, Ryan, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't know anything about the trade. Uh, I, I had no idea. Um, kind of a fun funny story on that one. I was, uh, I was at a country music festival at, uh, at that time and just how it, how it kind of played out is, you know, we just kind of left everybody with, there's a campground and we would leave our phones and then go and watch some music and then we'd come back and I can't remember who was performing at that time. Um, but we left and went and enjoyed ourselves and came back and I had, I'm going to make up these numbers, but I had something crazy, like 120 text messages, 72 missed calls and like 45 voicemails. And I was like, I was only gone from my phone for like an hour. I was like, guys, what's going on here? So I started reading everything and called my agent and was like, uh, okay. So obviously uh, a huge, that was kind of just a, a, a blockbuster moment in my life, um, if you will, but it was, uh, uh, amazing, you know, tons of mixed emotions when you get traded and, you know, this is clearly we've, we've touched on it before <laughs> getting traded at the junior ranks, but, um, you know, I, it was kind of like, all right, well, these guys don't like me enough to keep me around. And maybe this other team is going to give me another opportunity. So kind of mixed emotions on that side. Um, and then ended up talking to the flyers a bunch and, went to rookie camp, which, which isn't typical as a third year pro, but I wanted to show them that I was willing to do anything to get in the lineup and, uh, (laughs) didn't really get that opportunity there. Um, 
I think that I personally feel that Anaheim, when I was in Anaheim, um, the American League team was trying to win a championship. Uh, and I was, I was a rookie with Bobby Ryan. I don't know if you guys know uh, that name, but Bobby, I mean, I have no chance against Bobby. He and I were the two rookie forwards. Like clearly he's, he's head and shoulders above who I, where I am. And so he, they're kind of grooming him to make it to the NHL. And I'm second tier on that. Whereas you flip it. And then the Flyers organization, when I was there, they, I, I truly believe they did a phenomenal job grooming their players. James Van Riemsdyk was a, a rookie that year and they did an unbelievable job teaching those guys and getting them experience. But now I'm a third year pro and I kind of missed my window. So it was kind of like, ah, oh, I totally got flip-flopped in that whole development stage, depending on the organization, which again, like I said, everybody has their sob story and, you know, I probably could have done something differently to give myself a better opportunity, but um, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Fair enough. So, 09-010 season, you played 54 games in the AHL with the Ardendak Phantoms, if I'm saying that right. 10 points in 54 games. Not bad. Um, again, alongside another Blaze player uh, in Garrett Klotz that year. Um, what are your thoughts on Garrett as a player? <laughs> uh Klotzy was my line mate that year. Uh, and so I, um, oh man, I, I gotta, I gotta watch my, my words here. Otherwise Klotzy will beat me up. Um, he, you know, I, I was put on a line with two enforcers. Um, and basically my role was to make sure they didn't get scored on. So you're kind of seeing this reoccurring theme here um, that, you know, my defensive play carried me along in the, my first couple of years professionally. Um, you know, it, it's funny how your, your role morphs from team to team. And at the university level, I, it went from kind of a defensive role to a scoring. And then now it kind of went back to the defensive role uh, in North American hockey. And uh, yeah, I, that year was pretty frustrating because again, like I said, I thought that the flyers uh, I was going to get a new opportunity or a fresh start. And I didn't really feel like I got that. Um, so that, I, and again, that was kind of frustrating and I don't know what I could have done a little bit differently. I could have probably, like I said, I could have probably figured something out, but uh, that wouldn't have led me uh, <laughs> down the, the, the path that I went. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, was that a factor in then the following season you go down to Victoria Salmon Kings in the ECHL? Do you, it, it, is it playing on that line with two enforcers and probably not playing the way you want to make that decision for you? Yes. Um, short answer, yes. Um, longer answer, I actually signed a contract with a team in Italy that year after the season. And um, a month or two went by... I, there a lot there's a lot of nitty-gritty there um but a month or a month went by and then didn't hear from the team again and my agent was like we got to do something here for you we got to figure out a job uh and i was i was willing to go to tryouts in the american league but all those jobs had been spoken for and clearly with not great offensive numbers that year i didn't even get an opportunity and so ended up going to Victoria. So yes, I think due to numbers being in a different role, 
Um, but I did sign a contract with a team in Italy. And so that kind of stepped it back a little bit as well. Um, and then ended up, I had, a, I loved it in Victoria. I think that that place was phenomenal. I was treated better there than uh, both American league teams that I was on um, just an unbelievable organization. And, you know, it's funny, I keep referencing the, the path that I've gone down. I don't, it, that team folded after that season and I would have gone back to Victoria if had they not folded. So, uh, so yeah, it was kind of, it's, it's wild how that, that ride goes. So obviously they, they fold and then you um, decide to head to Europe and play four seasons for Cortina in Italy. How did that come about then? Yeah. So I, uh, uh, the Victoria Salmon Kings, that team, we had two 20 day road trips. So we were on the road for 20 days at a time and like li living in hotel rooms. My girlfriend was living with me, my now wife. Um, and so it was kind of like, man, what am I doing here? And hats off to the guy that recruited me, uh, the head coach of the, the Cortina team, the, the team in Italy, um, he, one of the first things he said is you're going to spend every single night in your own bed. And I was like, you're telling me that I can go to Italy, sleep in my bed every night and still get paid. Like, this is awesome. So it was kind of like, check, check, check. I'm going. So that, uh, that was the first thing I'm going there. Um, that league. So that league's kind of funky. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot different now. It's the Alps hockey league, but it, uh, I went in thinking that it was just going to be a breeze, um, that it was just going to be an absolute uh, cakewalk, if you will. <laughs> I don't know the right term that you guys would understand. I just thought it would be an easy league to go to um, and ended up being significantly different, uh, more competitive than I thought that first year. They So in um, just, just like, uh, in the UK, you have a certain number of imports that you're allowed on each team. Um, it, we, they were allowing nine imports my first year, then it dropped to seven, my second year, then six, then four. And so the level of play dropped significantly over the four years that I was there. And then that kind of, um, spurred my, my interest to go elsewhere. So obviously shot down to four. So there's obviously a lot of uh, Italian players. How was the uh, language barrier for yourself? <laughs> you know, they most, mostly I laugh. You'll see why I'm laughing in a second here. Um, both, mostly everybody spoke fluent English. And I found myself at a couple of pubs and trying to speak Italian to local Italians and they're speaking English to me. And it's like, what on earth are we doing? Um, but I, I learned my Italian. Uh, I sat next to a, in the I sat next to a guy in the locker room, a guy in the team that uh, spoke the least amount of English, and he was great. He was really nice to me. Um, and then again, we find ourselves at a pub, and I, I was speaking English to him. And I remember him saying, I remember it vividly that he was like, "We're in Italian. We're in Italy. You speak Italian." And I was like, "Touche. All right." So from then on, he taught me one phrase a day or sorry, one word a day. And I ended up being able to piece those things together. And I'm fluent in locker room talk. Uh, so I know a lot of bad words in Italy, in, in Italian. So, uh, so, but, you know, short answer, Ross, it was uh, everybody pretty much spoke English there. 
Oh, nice one. Uh, did you expect to stay there for four, four years, like? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's crazy to think about. Like, four years went by like a breeze. It was, it was, uh, I was loving it. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, I got engaged to my wife there. Uh, we traveled. We, we did everything in a seven-hour driving radius of the, the, the place in Italy uh, that we were located. Um, and then actually to kind of to the cherry on top of the whole thing was that we went, uh, my wife and I did a month trip after the season and just kind of checked off all the bucket list items. And it was, uh, it was really fun, really fun. And um, looking back, I, I am so grateful for, for my time spent there. Well, moving forward, I want to just go back very slightly. Um, the season you signed in Italy, but then it didn't fruitative the word had you signed for for Katina for that season or was it a different club uh that was a different club uh that one actually okay so this is kind of funny um I I was talking to Cortina but a different coach then recruited me uh the second time around so I was I, I was in communication with them um and ended up signing with a different club that is kind of notorious for that, uh, for, for signing players. And then all of a sudden disappearing. I didn't know at the time, but you know, lessons learned. Um, I won't bury them. <laughs> I won't, I won't mention them by name, but, uh, I, I know they've done the same thing to a couple of my friends as well. So then one last question on the Italian adventure, whilst you were in Cortina colors, did you score past that club? Say that again. On one last thing on the, time with Cortina, the team who signed you but then didn't sign you, did you put a goal past them? Uh, yeah, a couple. <laughs> that's, that's all that matters then. That's all that matters. A couple. But, but I had four years to do it though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the Italian adventures come to end. You've uh, done the uh, jet setting with your partner at the time. Um, and then you end up in Fife. Had you done your homework on the British game before coming across here? My goodness. I, you know, the, as you guys know, I, I think that you guys have been fan of British hockey for a long time and I had never really seen it in more times than not. You see, you look up highlights and you see crazy things that happen. And I thought that it was more of a rough and tumble league than, uh, and I, and I do still, I actually still believe that it was more before I, I got there and a couple of years before. Um, but Danny, Danny Stewart, Sui was, uh, he called me, he was actually, during my, uh, my trip in Italy, I was in Sicily when I first talked to Danny and Stewie was all over me and wanting me to come and wanting me to come. And I didn't, I was a little bit reluctant. I didn't, I didn't know if the British league was for me because I mean, I've been in, I've been in fights. You guys have seen me play. I'm not afraid to back down from anything, but like I'm no heavyweight. It's not, I'm not going to me versus Klotzy. Like we know who's winning, right? Like that's no question. Um, but so then it's, I start, I started talking to my agent a little bit more at that time. And um, basically we came to the conclusion that if Danny wanted, like he knew who I was, it wasn't like he was signing me sight unseen. He had seen my numbers. He had done his research um, and he knew that he wanted me and, if he wanted me, then there was a reason for that. And that's basically the conclusion we came to. Um, and so 
right away it was uh it, it was great i was not expecting to stay there three years by any means to to stay in the uk um but it was like yeah i'll, tr- I'll check it out it's nice to be it feels good to be wanted right like danny, danny wanted me and i knew that he wanted me and that was that felt really good and so i wanted to uh to go check it out and if i hated it then i would have been gone the next year you had the couple of seasons in five between 2015, 2017, a couple of sixth place league finishes, a playoff semi-final, playoff quarterfinal appearance in the two seasons. In five foot aren't the big, a big club in the league. Let's not gloss over it. They're, they're not an arena team. They're not one of the big four. Do you feel that two seasons you were there, was that a successful time for Fife? Um, I do. I think that it was, I think the first year I, I personally was just trying to get my feet wet. I was trying to figure out what the league was all about and not playing. I mean, I, I you probably have to, I don't, I don't remember how many times we played uh, the, the British teams, uh, the English, sorry, the English teams. Um, but it was kind of like, what does that really look? What I was just trying to figure it out. Right. And um, I think that it was, it was a successful year, yes, because we went to the uh, remind me remind me what the last tournament's called? Playoff weekend. The playoff weekend, like that was that was unbelievable. Like I've never seen anything like it. The only the closest thing that I can I can uh, compare it to would be a, a Frozen Four championship uh, in the W or sorry in the NCAA when you have the last four teams and basically how it's. The reason why I'm saying that and referencing it is because it's a section of fans and then a section of fans. And it was amazing. It was so, I'm so happy to have witnessed that with my own eyes. Um, so that was, that was absolutely amazing. So that, that was definitely the highlight uh, of my time in Fife. One last question on the Fife experience then. Fife Serena. That's an experience in itself, isn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. All barn. Um, it, you know, the fans are either amazing or, or they hate you, right? Like it's, they're, they're right on top of you. And if you're, if you're playing well, then, then they hop on the bandwagon and uh, forgive my, my, my description, but it is truly, they are either with you or, or against you. And, you know, I think that that fortunately I was well liked there because I, I wear my heart on my sleeve when I play and I like to play hard. I like to, to contribute as much as I can, even if, uh, if, if the puck's not going in the net for me, then, then I'm not afraid to, to get some hustle going and, uh, you know, finish a body check. So, uh, the, the fans were really, really, really good to me there. And, um, I, I did have some line mates there that there were some cat calls from, from, uh, from the stands and saying, so-and-so you suck and ah, let's go. But, uh, but yeah, I I personally had a had a phenomenal experience in Fife. And then uh, your phone starts ringing again, and it's Danny Stewart, and you're like, "Oh, here we go again." And I think it was quite a there was a lot of playoff rumor talk that the Blazers were in for yourself, and you were you were signed quite early on. Obviously, you've played in the Sky Dome, and Danny's on the phone to you. What were your thoughts when you were getting touted by the Blaze? Um. Yeah, so I, I think I had played there four times uh, as an as a visiting opponent with Fife uh, against the Blaze, 
And I remember I, I had awful stats against the Blaze. I just thought, I thought it was an amazing facility. I truly did. I know, um, you know, when you compare it to some of the others, uh, you say the big, you reference the big four, it's a little bit different, but I, I loved playing in the Sky Domes even more so when I didn't have to dress in the away locker room. Uh, but that was, uh, that was awesome. I, I, again, I, I'm so fortunate for my time in, in Coventry and, and really, really enjoyed my experience there. And uh, it, it was, you know, hats off to Danny. He's a hell of a recruiter. He, uh, he knew what I want. He knew me personally, right? Like, so he spending a se- season with me on and off the ice, um, he knew what I was all about and what I stood for and values that I, uh, that I live in, that I have in my everyday life. And um, he, he, knew, he knew how to say the right things to, to lure me away from Fife. I want to touch on that season because between us, we've seen many seasons at the Blaze. If I could define that season, I'd put it as a weird season. So we had guys, four of, four, four of the guys plus 20 goal scorers. We score 189 goals, but we concede 186. We'd beat Sheffield 5-1, we'd beat Belfast 6-1, and then we'd, we'd get blown out the other night. What do you think kind of made a struggle to an eighth place finish because the talent was there. What what do you think that the issue was that we struggled to get to eighth place? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, good question. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really know. I don't have a good answer for that. I think that it was, it was uh, a frustrating season within the locker room as well. I think that it was, it was a time we saw the talent, the talent was in the room. We knew that we could do something. Um, and, and that's the beauty, in my opinion, not making excuses, but that's the beauty in sport, right? Like if we knew if we could play the games on paper, then it wouldn't, nobody would be interested in it. And it, you know, it takes, it takes the underdog to, to take out the, the big guy on any given night. And, you know, that's why we all in, enjoy sport. I, I'm making assumptions when I say that that's the same with you guys. Um, but for me, that's why I loved it. And it was, uh, you know, I, I just felt, I personally felt like I, I had an interesting year. Um, I felt like I had a, a lot to prove because I moved laterally, if you will, within the league. Um, so I coming into a new team within the same league that I wanted to prove myself. And it took me, I don't know if you guys remember that year, it took me a little bit to kind of get going and, uh, and I was, I think I was coming off of a, a great goal scoring year with Fife. And then I think that I knew that that was expected of me. And I almost put a little bit too much pressure on me to, to get the goals right away. And as soon as I kind of calmed down, then it, things started to pick up. Um, and then I dislocated my thumb that year and I was out for, Oh geez, I think it was four weeks. Uh, I was out. I literally couldn't even touch a hockey stick for four weeks that year. And so it was, it was, uh, you know, there was no, when, when you look at a season, you want it to build, like have building blocks, right? You, you start at the foundation and then you continue to build off of it. And it felt like as soon as we start getting moment, momentum, then it was like, boom, something bad happened. And then we get a little bit and then boom, something happened. So we were never to, able to have build off of that foundation from the get go. Yeah, it was. I mean, we went, I think we were five and five, five versus the MK Lightning. Sometimes we beat them eight five, and then sometimes 
6-1. But going on you with the pressure coming into the Skydo, Blaze fans since, I mean, we've been going in Coventry for 20 years. The fan base like hardworking players and that that will adhere you to the Coventry fan base. I mean, you can light up the lamp, score 40 odd goals, but if you don't back check, as a fan base, we don't appreciate as much that. And I know that might be different in Sheffield and Nottingham, but for us, that's what we like in a player. So we really appreciated what you brought to the Skydome. There's there's another point on uh, that season is obviously we make eighth, we we get a good few wins in, and we get we draw Cardiff in the playoff quarterfinals. Saturday night we uh, lose four two, a couple of third period goals, and then I think we all went to Cardiff. We took a few coaches, we went down early, thirty four seconds in, you pop one in the net, and it's game on. Uh, comes to the end of the second period, we're tied on aggregate. What's going through your mind there? Did you think that we really had a shot? Yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back a second. You know, in between those two games, I don't know if you recall, uh, I had already told Danny that I was gonna retire, and he so he knew uh, he actually knew probably five games before. I, I told him in Belfast. Actually, I don't even remember where on that schedule that was. Um, we can talk about that in a little bit, but I had told Danny in Belfast that I was. I was going to retire after the season took him uh, by a huge surprise. But so I knew he knew, and I knew like season, my, my playing career was coming to an end. Uh, and then we're down, remind me the score. I think we're down three, one after uh, the first game. Well, it's four, two after the first game. Four, two. So down, down by two. Um, and it was, it, Danny really, really encouraged me to, get it out in the public that this could be my last game. And I was, I was a little bit reluctant. I didn't want to, I didn't want everybody looking at me. I'm more of a team oriented guy. I wanted to, you know, have it, have it play out and then just kind (laughs) of go off in the sunset. Right. Um, But Danny, Danny truly encouraged me to, to get a statement out. I did so. And, you know, I remember just thinking in the locker room before that game, Holy cow, like, we're down by two. This is going to be a huge, and Cardiff was great. They were, they were a really good team that season. Um, so realistically you're like, man, how are we going to claw out a, a two goal deficit? Um, but, and then when I scored the first shift, I was like, Whoa, uh, we could actually do this. And so it was kind of like, it, there was a huge morale boost. And then it kind of, it, I can't remember exactly how the uh, how it was released or, or what was done that I was retiring, um, but I remember being like, "Man, I'm, I should probably insert foot and mouth right now." Like that, this might not be my last game. And so I remember those thoughts going through my head. Um, crazy, crazy the emotional roller coaster in that game, and you know, by the end of it, the the salute from the fans and uh, Andrew Lord. I, I don't even know him at all but he told me to take a lap and go back to wave to the Coventry fans. And I was like, man, that is, that is a heck of a guy. I, like I said, I, I, I have no past experience with him off the ice or I've only played against him. And, you know, to have that honor um, was, was really, really something special coming into the game. Yeah. That release, uh, obviously Danny like said for you to do it. Um, Craig Summerton, the blaze media guy, he's one of my best friends and, when I said we were talking to you tonight, he was like cracking guy, one of my favourites. So the fact that that release went out is probably kudos to 
you as a person. Definitely. And like I said, I, you know, I didn't need all eyes on me in that game, I, I, but it was, uh, I am, I am really happy to have had that send off as you put it. That was uh, that's a, a pretty fond memory of mine going back. And my dad was actually at that game. He flew to that game and uh, you know, my, my, my eyes were sweating. I wasn't crying, but my eyes were sweating. <laughs> so what made you mind up to uh, retire? I mean, we all probably thought that you had a, another season in you at least, you know, scoring 25 goals. Yeah. Um, a lot of things. Um, I think that, <laughs> you know, if you want to rewind a little bit, that first year that I was in Coventry, um, that flight. So we had a kid, uh, we had our second child, my wife and I had our second child in between Fife and Coventry. Um, so we had a newborn, I, I can't remember, he was like four weeks old, six weeks old or something like that when I came over. And it was, it was the most awful experience. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was horrible. The flight over and we're talking seven hour flights and the youngest kid, actually, now that I think about it, the youngest kid slept through the whole thing, but my older kid, who's uh, 14 months older than, than the younger one, he cried the whole way. And like, we were, we were the family, we were the family on the flight where everybody was like looking at us. And I was like, Oh my God, this is miserable. Um, so it kind of started then. Um, and then uh, I had an opportunity actually when I, when I dislocated my thumb, uh, I had an opportunity uh, within my hometown to take over as director of hockey uh, operations within my childhood program. And that kind of, so kind of those couple of things there really led me to making the decision. You know, I, I was uh, 34 at the time, I think. And, you know, what's next? Like you start thinking you have two kids, like, I got to put roots down. Don't get me wrong. If it was me and my wife, I might still be playing. Right. And so, but it is important to be, it might be, it's important to, to take care of your family and figure out what's next in life. And um, I am hugely grateful to still be involved in hockey, as you can see with the, the rinks in the background. Um, I, uh, but also in my hometown. So that's, uh, I, I had an opportunity that I truly had, I felt the need that I, 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 ha I had to jump at it and um, go that direction. I didn't feel that I, I had a dip in my playing career, but it was mostly a life decision. So what are you uh, actually doing now with the, is it still with the Steamboat Wranglers, is it? Uh, so that, so that was a junior team, a couple of tiers down from the USHL that we talked about before um so i was coming in it's it's the steamboat stampede and that's the steamboat stampede is the youth program in my hometown uh that first year into retirement <laughs> from playing um i went to uh, basically that was my year that i needed to be groomed into how do you how do you run an entire association managing 13 teams like just because I was a good player doesn't mean that I'm going to be a good uh, director. And so I needed a season to figure that out. The monetary pay wasn't great enough to support my family. Um, and just coincidentally, there was a season, or uh, sorry, the coach had left the junior team, the Steamboat Wranglers that you're referencing, that was in the same town. Um, 
So there was a, a vacancy and the owners of that team came to me and they were like, you want it? You can have it. So I coached that season for, I coached that team for a season. Uh, so, so that was great to be on the ice with um, a little bit older, 16 to 20 year old players. Um, but then I had to make a decision. So this is kind of where the stepping stones were. I had to make a decision to give up that job as the coach of the Wranglers to then continue down the path as director of the youth program. So that's where I am right now. This is, I'm, I'm actually in my second year as uh, as director of hockey operations in uh, for the youth program. So basically if you uh, get any um, good young players uh, that want to come <laughs> to, England, you know, send them to Coventry. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> So uh, just one thing I'm going to throw out there, Ryan, before we kind of wrap everything up for you is um, Scorch says hi to your little one. Um, yeah. Just to put the, the, the face to it, I, I used to do Scorch and uh, I don't think she ever left my side when she was walking around the ring. Oh, yeah. Side. Yep. <laughs> I, think there's a I have a great, <laughs> I have a couple of great pictures. That's for sure. Great yeah. memories. <laughs> so uh, coming to the end of the episode for you then. Um, what we normally do at this point is we just ask the, the question and we put you on the spot and it is a really tough one. <laughs> Picking a team lineup for, so your coach, who are your netminder, two D men and three forwards that you've played alongside? <sighs> they have to be people, you know, <laughs> played alongside ideally. <laughs> okay. So in, are you saying in the UK? If you want to limit it to the UK, you can do ideally it's wherever you've touched a pad with someone. Um, all right. Uh, line mates. I'd say, you know, I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it was shortly after, uh, after I retired from playing uh, line mates, I'd say Sebastian Thanel, who was in uh, Fife with me and then Valley, uh, obviously in Coventry, we had some good chemistry. Valley's a great shot. Thanel is, the best passer I've ever seen really not that fleet of foot, but man, oh man, he was a great passer. Um, defense. That's where you're going to, you're going to stick me with a tough one. <laughs> um, I Phil Paquette. I'm just naming all the French guys, uh, <laughs> Phil Paquette. Uh, and let's see here. And he was, he was in Fife with me as well. Uh, Hmm. That one's a tough one for the last one. You guys, you guys got any good memories of any uh, good D goalie? Uh, I, Shane Owen, Shane Owen was awesome to to play uh, play in front of. Uh, I he was my goalie in fight in Fife. Uh, I believe he played in Belfast afterwards. I don't know if he still. Was he there last year? I'm not sure. Um, not sure on that one. I'm a little bit disconnected from uh, from hockey in the UK right now. Um, another D man, man. I, I gotta go. I gotta go outside of the UK. Paul Albers was uh, was a really good buddy of mine and uh, teammate in in um, in Cortina for three years. I played with him for three years there. Good friend of mine and uh, uh, a great teammate as well. Good little lineup. Good little lineup. <laughs> so we'll just go around everybody now and just kind of make sure that there's no kind of questions that have kind of sprung to mind as we've 
gone through things. So, uh, Scott, any more from yourself? Yeah, obviously, Ryan, you're still involved with hockey. You're doing your own thing now. Do you think you'll stay that side of the pond or could we perhaps see you growing into a, like a, a coaching role and would you be open to a move over to Europe? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, I think that I am, you know, in who knows, right? Like I don't have a crystal ball, but I, I do like being home in my hometown. Um, I like raising my kids here. However, I have some ideas in the mix where you might be able to see me in the UK at some point. Um, where, but it wouldn't be for uh, for like a, a, a full time gig or something like that. But uh, one thing that I'm hugely passionate about is bridging my two worlds. And when I say that, I mean, you know, my European adventures and then also bringing my hometown kids there. So I have some things in the works, uh, some couple of ideas, um, hoping to, to like, like I said, bridge, bridge the two worlds and uh, show, show these kids in Steamboat what hockey in Europe is all about. Well, we, uh, we look forward to seeing what that is. I mean, every player we've had on here, they all say they want to bring back their kids to where they've played in Europe. So it's definitely a common theme. So yeah. we, we Oh, great. You're not saying I'm to. unique in that sense? <laughs> no, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, we got any more from yourself? Just one question for you. Um, obviously, you're living in Steamboat. That's where you're from. Are you an Avalanche fan? Uh, I would say overall, yes. Um, I lived in Colorado before the Avalanche were here. So I remember a time before the Avalanche were around. Um, and it's, it's kind of a tricky question to... And, I'm sure you've heard this as well from other guys, um, you know, playing at the professional ranks for so long, uh, you, you tend to more root for individuals rather than uh, teams themselves. But, you know, overall, if you had to, if I, if, uh, if you had to nail me down for, for a team, then I would say the avalanche, um, especially now that they're doing really well. Uh, and they have, they have amazing, they have an amazing gr- uh, core of core of guys there. Um, so that is fun to watch. There's there's a lot of uh, a hype hype around them right now. Fair enough. Um, before I ask Ash, I've got to ask it because I've asked Ross this because he's a, a big uh, Avs fan. What's your thoughts on the blue shorts this year? <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> They're awful. I mean, that's like that goes against all. Uh, the code of hockey, right? Like the shorts have to match the helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just found it when they announced it, I thought, okay, they're making some changes. And then first game, when it finally starts back up, I text Ross, I was like, what the hell have they done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. So, Ash, any more from you? Nothing more from me tonight, thank you. No problems. I have got one question for you, Ryan, before we do wrap it up. Um, it's not really one we've asked anybody before and it kind of come to me while we were talking about agents and things like that when you first go pro how does it come about with an agent do you reach out to an agency or does a team say here's who we'd recommend and then from there you make decisions as you go through your career yeah um i so that goes back to to university when i was when i was playing in university 
Um, and Anaheim was kind of sniffing around and, and seeing what I was all about. Um, I basically had a couple of recommended agents and I almost go through the hiring process there and figure out who would, who would be a good fit to represent me. Mm. Um, so I had a couple of options there and ended up going one direction. Um, and he represented this one guy represented me for two years. Nope. Sorry. All four years in North America. Um, and then when I went to Europe, I decided that it was important to, cause I loved it in Europe and I decided it would be more important to have a European based agent. So I switched agents then. Um, and then I was, uh, then I went through Cortina and with one agent, but I was negotiating my contracts. And so I decided to change agents once more. So I had three agents through my career and, um, to, to fully represent who I was and what I stood for, for and, uh, was able to get the most out of, uh, you know, you want to say monetarily, but that's the easy one, but it's also about lifestyle and, uh, where you fit in the best. And like I referenced earlier, um, you know, going to Fife, for example, uh, I knew nothing about, uh, the British elite, the, the British league, but it was like, what is this all about? And so we kind of had to bat uh, some ideas off each other. And if this would be a good fit, I didn't see myself ever going to the elite league, but it was, it was kind of like, all right, well, they want me. So let's, this could be a good fit. No. Yeah. It's, it, you know, thank you for obviously answering that. It's, uh, I've always wondered how it works. Obviously do, does someone say, here's who I'd recommend, or does a friend that you kind of stall alongside go, Hey, here's who I'm with try him. And then they get a bit of commission off the back of recommending someone, but it's good to hear. Obviously you've got, a couple of options and then you make your decisions and it kind of like anything as you're moving off in your career you make your own decisions and change so um that's pretty much it then ryan so the only thing i can really say is thank you for your time this evening and recording with us um we hope you've had a good evening and going down some memory lanes there um so that's it for this week's episode of the third period podcast we hope to see everybody back in an ice rink soon thanks again for listening to the third period of podcast we hope you enjoyed the show Remember to check out Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs.